Hello, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Monday, August 7th, 2023. I'm Mike Kachopoli. All right, new week, new week, new beginnings, all right? New week, new beginnings. Uh, there's probably a lot to get to, and I'll get there eventually. I hope everyone had a good weekend. Uh, mine was quiet. I know I have a lot of, I have a lot of quiet weekends. I know that. I get it. Um, but I think that as I was going through my Twitter feed and just generally looking <clears throat> at the news um, over the weekend, see what was happening. Um, I noticed that there were a lot of people who are talking about a a possible uh, DeSantis Newsom debate, right? And that it, it's possibly going to happen in November. It was like accepted in principle. Both parties accepted it in principle. I I, I still find it hard to believe it's going to happen. And now and now we're seeing uh, complaints public complaints coming out of the Newsom camp, right? That uh, there are certain things they don't like. And one is that he doesn't want a live audience. Now, who has ever heard? Seriously, have you ever heard of a debate that doesn't have a live audience? Usually they allow, if it's something like a general election debate, they'll allow in, you know, half Democrats, half Republicans have a fair crowd and so on and so forth. And I'm guessing the Newsom campaign doesn't want to allow a crowd because it's going to be uh, on Sean Hannity, right? So he's figuring it's going to be a Hannity crowd, a Fox News crowd, but it doesn't have to be, right? I mean, they could just, Hannity could host it on his show, but they could change and they could have, half the room could be, you know, Democrats, Newsom voters. So uh, the idea of, of, of like not allowing a crowd in, really shows that he's afraid he's going to lose debate, right? Because you're afraid that DeSantis is going to get in a lot of zingers or great comments or, or you know, you know, he's going to be able to uh, dominate Newsom. And Newsom's afraid that the crowd's going to obviously react to that and it's going to make him look worse. Uh, and then there was something else coming out of the Newsom. All, all the complaints, by the way, are coming out of Newsom's side, it would seem. And the other complaint was that the DeSantis campaign wanted the uh, opening to be videos instead of opening statements, something to that effect. If that's even true, I'm not sure. Um, so when you start seeing complaints, then you start to believe that someone is trying to pull out, right, and make excuses for not doing it. Oh, I don't want the, the opening to be this way. Oh, it's going to be a Hannity crowd. They're a pro-Republican crowd. Oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. It's not going to be fair, right? And they'll blame it on someone else. This is what Trump does, right? Loses election, blame it on rigging. Win election, it's all fair, right? Lose an election, blame it on rigging. The polls show you're winning. Say the polls are accurate. That's it. You know, If I'm winning the polls, they're accurate. If I'm not, they're fake. If I win the election, it's it's fair. If I lose it, it's rigged. And now you have Newsom saying, well, you know, it's not going to be a fair, it's going to be a rigged debate. And, uh, you know, I would be 
not surprised at all if he if he pulled out. It didn't happen. After being the big mouth, the one who instigated the whole thing, right? He's the one who said he wanted to do it. So, and then DeSantis said, yeah, I'll do it. I guess he maybe he felt that because DeSantis was actually a presidential candidate, and he's not, that DeSantis would say, no, uh, I'm, I'm a presidential candidate. Newsom isn't, so I'm not going to do it. Maybe that's what he was hoping for. And then DeSantis, you know, called him on it and said, yeah, sure, I'll do it, of course. And now, of course, you know, we see that uh, Gavin may be, may be backing out, may be backing out. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But I would not be totally surprised if it didn't happen. And Newsom, of course, blamed Hannity and the fact that it would be rigged and not fair. Um, but we'll see. It's, it's tentatively slated for November, but we have a big actual real Republican debate coming up in about, wow, a little over two weeks time now, a little over two weeks from now will be the first Republican debate. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so we'll see about that. We'll see about that. Um, I, there's some COVID stuff I want to talk about. And uh, it really has to do, there's a great article written. And there was a great article written about Fauci in the free press. And that was written today, actually. Uh, in the free press today by David Zweig. Um, he wrote about the deception of Tony Fauci and Tony Fauci's uh, deceptions over the last few years. And I think it's really important. You know, sometimes I don't like reading long articles, but I think this is fairly important, especially now. Once again, we've talked about this a million times. OK, and I've talked about it 10 million times with friends over the last three and a half years. I've talked about it so often over the last nearly two years on this podcast. And that's the fact that there's been no mea culpa. Forget about punishments, right? Forget about any kind of real retribution for the COVID years. But there's been not even, they, they haven't even apologized. So we're not even like, a, you have to get like to step one first, right? Before you go to step five. Not only have they not apologized, but they continue to double and triple down. So as there are new variants that they make up, when they want to sell the booster and now we're, we're, we're you know they're making up a wave there's a new wave happening because they want to get ready to sell the booster in the fall right because september october is when people usually start getting flu shots so they want to get a booster along with the flu shots and now they have to make it up and make it look like covid's coming back just so they can sell as many because most people are forgotten right so they want to try to remind people that it's still here so they make up a bump and so there's been no real apologizing for the failed vaccines. There's been no apologizing for the failure of lockdowns or, or masking or any of that stuff to the point where we still have many of these whack job liberals calling for masking measures again, right? We see this. We see these wackos calling for masks again because, once again, they've never been forced to admit they were wrong. So they continue to double and triple down and pretend they were right. In other words, they're pretending that the reason why we're not really talking about COVID anymore is because masks, lockdowns, and vaccines got rid of it. This is the this is the shit they're peddling, right? These are the lies they're peddling, and they have not been called on them. Well, we've called them on it. I'm about to read an article where David Zweig calls Fauci on many deceptions, 
but they have not been forced to apologize. They've not been forced to apologize. They're not going to do it on their own. They're not going to do it voluntarily. They need to be forced to apologize. And the only way they are forced to apologize is if they are facing some kind of criminal charges over what they've done. They need to be forced into like, in other words, we need to make them get on their knees and say, please don't imprison us. We apologize and we were wrong because there's no way they're going to do it on their own. We see that by now. It would have happened by now, right? They would have said all of this stuff was wrong. How many of the major players have said they were wrong about anything? None of them have. And once again, this allows them to continue to bring this stuff back, especially in liberal cities like my own, like San Francisco, like New York, um, because they are pretending it worked. They're pretending it worked. Of course, there's the fallacy in their logic. If it worked, why is it coming back? Why would we need to do it again every year? If it works, of course, we know that's the fallacy in their logic. We've talked about that all along, but then they, we, we have we have not forced them to apologize. And that's the problem. And that's what we must do. We must force them to apologize. And I hope that the next administration, the DeSantis administration, does that. So. But for now, it's just once again left up to people like me and you to constantly talk about this, or at least from time to time, bring it back. And when a great article like David Zweig wrote today, read it and really look at the facts, right? The true, true facts over what happened over the last three and a half years and the truth about the censorship. Now, I'm going to get into censorship in a second because something happened earlier today and you shouldn't need to be a Baltimore Orioles fan or a fan of baseball or sports to understand this. But I'll, I'll talk about this quickly now, then I'll get back to it after the Fauci, because it does play into all this, believe it or not. Most people, of course, on social media are oblivious, but I made the connection, and here's the connection. So a Baltimore Orioles announcer. Now, if you don't know, the Baltimore Orioles have had a lot of really bad years. Like last six, seven years have been like really awful, but they have improved. Their young players are coming through, and they're having a great season, and they're one of the top two teams in baseball this year. So their announcer, who's been with them for a while, about a week and a half ago, goes on during a game, before a game, and he says, well, here we are in Tampa Bay. Now, let's go over some stats. The Orioles over the last few years have really done poorly here in Tampa Bay. Um, of course, everything's improving this year, but this is what's happened in the past. And it, it turns out that the Orioles actually suspended him for that once again. <laughs> Let me get this. It it wasn't like they suspended him, you know, and this video is going around. Oh, Baltimore Orioles announcer is suspended. And everyone is who's who's listening to the video is expecting some kind of a racist comment or something. And all he did was talk about stats. All he did was give the actual facts, the actual real 110 percent accurate facts that his producers, by the way, uh, put this together. The play by play announcer. Just like like news anchors don't make up the news, their producers say, "Okay, this is what we're covering today. This this will take up some time, you know, because baseball is such a slow sport. We're going to talk about these stats. That's why baseball is filled with stats because you have to fill the time." 
So before the game, he just simply, they, they put up a graph showing how poorly they had done in Tampa Bay in previous years, right? And how things are changing now, but they wanted to give the numbers. And he was suspended simply for giving statistics for facts. So this is going around. People can't believe it. They're like, this has gone insane. How do you fire a guy just for talking about statistics, just for giving the facts, the, 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 the actual numbers? And I said, well, it makes perfect sense. Because if the president of the United States can censor actual facts, if the president of the United States has the power to say, no, I don't like these facts. We don't like these facts. If Tony Fauci can say, no, no, we don't like these facts that you're putting on Twitter. Get rid of them, delete them, censor them, and destroy the person who put them on there. If the president of the United States, if a guy like Tony Fauci can do that, then why can't some cheese ball ball club owner? No, I don't like those facts, buddy. It gets in the way of my narrative that my team is now the best team ever created. I don't want to talk about the past. And I'm firing you for talking about the facts. Look, the president could do it, so why can't I? You see, this is what happens. This is when we allow, when we allow the most powerful people to censor facts, right? Just to push a certain narrative. Other people, either consciously or subconsciously, and I don't know which one it was for the Orioles owner, they'll feel they could do it too. That's the problem. That's why we're all responsible for not nipping this in the bud a long time ago. I know we have the Twitter files now and the Facebook files now, but until these people, I'll say it a million fucking times, until they're punished for this, until there's a record, a history record of the punishment that was handed down, they won't stop and they're, the people who come after them will do it again. That's just the way it goes. So I wasn't shocked at all. Of course, the Baltimore Orioles, because of the pressure, they have now given in and backtracked. I believe they're rehiring. If I were him, I'd tell them to go fuck themselves. I'd work for someone who doesn't censor me, but we'll see what happens there. But this is, once again, it, it does not shock me. It doesn't shock me because a fish stinks from the head fucking down and it stinks from the White House down. And that's what's happened. The president can do this. He got away with it. He still gets away with it. There's no punishment. I don't see the president being impeached for it. I don't see him being charged with any crimes. I don't see anything. So I'm going to do it too. Well, in the name of having some kind of accountability, once again, in the free press today, uh, David Zweig wrote uh, about Tony Fauci's deceptions. A trove of emails, flack messages, and other documents reveal Fauci's behind-the-scenes involvement. Tony doesn't want his fingerprints on origin stories. Uh, on April 17th of 2020, with much of the country still in some form of lockdown and news of overwhelmed hospitals dominating the headlines, Dr. Tony Fauci, then a member of the president's coronavirus task force, was asked a question toward the end of a White House press briefing. Was there a possibility this novel virus came from a lab in Wuhan, China? There was a study recently, Fauci said confidently, where a group of highly qualified evolutionary virologists looked at the sequences there and the sequences in bats as they evolve. And the mutations that it took to get to where it is now is totally consistent with a jump of species from an animal to a human. In other words, it wasn't from the lab. 
This moment set the template for much that would follow from Fauci over the next three years. That is evasion, deception, and misdirection about his support of high-risk virology research and its connection to the possibility that a lab in Wuhan caused a worldwide catastrophe. Fauci, who was the face of the public health community during the crisis, pushed the idea that the evidence strongly indicated that the virus was just a tragic natural occurrence. He insisted repeatedly that an epidemic that started in Wuhan was unlikely to have been the result of an escape from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. But Fauci had an incentive to arrive at his conclusion about the deadly pandemic that started in Wuhan. The WIV was known for doing high-risk virology research, studying and manipulating coronaviruses. Fauci, as head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases for almost 40 years, had funded such research at the WIV. Fauci's posture, dismissive toward the theory of a lab leak and later condescending toward those who entertained it, set what became the accepted narrative about the origins of the pandemic. It was a narrative that was parroted by the government public health officials, and the media, and even forced by social media platforms at the request of the Biden White House. But last month, a trove of explosive emails, other documents were released by the U.S. House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic. Those revealed evidence of Fauci and other officials behind the scenes involvement with scientists, journalists, demonstrating their efforts to quash the lab leak theory. The recently disclosed Private communications, first reported by Public and Racket, lay bare that the highly qualified authors of the paper that Fauci had asserted in April of 2020 likely disproved the lab leak, what became known informally as the Proximal Origin Paper, actually had extensive uncertainty about the virus being the result of a natural event. This was grossly at odds what became their published position. The, the paper that Fauci recommended was published on March 17, 2020. But in February, just a month before, Kristen Anderson, one of the paper's authors, wrote a Slack message to his colleagues saying, the lab escape version of this is so friggin' likely to have happened because they were already doing this type of work and the molecular data is fully consistent with that scenario. Robert Gary, another co-author, wrote on Slack the same month, it's not crackpot to suggest this could have happened given the gain of function research we know is happening. Ian Lipkin, yet another co-author, emailed on February 11 that there was the possibility of inadvertent release at the Institute in Wuhan. Given the scale of BATCOV research pursued there and the site of emergence of first human cases, we have a nightmare of circumstantial evidence to assess. There are but a few examples of their correspondence. Contrary to Fauci's seemingly objectivity about the paper, According to documents released by the House Subcommittee, in February 2020, Fauci, along with Francis Collins, then head of the NIH, took part in a conference call with a number of scientists, including several of the paper's authors, prompting them to begin work on what ultimately be the Proximal Origin paper. On March 6th, as the paper was headed towards publication, the virologists had changed their minds about the distinct possibility that the virus came out of the Wuhan lab. Anderson wrote to Fauci, Collins, and Jeremy Farrar, then a health advisor to the British government and director of the Wellcome Trust, an influential public health organization. He thanked them for their advice and leadership as we've been working through the SARS-CoV-2 origins, origins paper. Fauci replied two days later, telling Anderson, nice job on the paper. Indeed, Fauci and Collins were so closely involved with the paper 
that in internal communications among the paper's five authors, they referred to the pair as the Bethesda Boys, a reference to NIH headquarters in Bethesda, Maryland. At the time of the paper's drafting, which went on at least from February through early March, when it was accepted by the journal Nature Medicine, Anderson had an $8.9 million grant under review by NIAID. The grant was approved in May. We may never learn how the pandemic began, considering that the Wuhan Institute of Virology, an institute funded in part by U.S. taxpayers, deleted data about the virus and given the secrecy of the Chinese Communist Party. But instead of offering even-handed leadership that encouraged scientists to present alternative perspectives on this and many of the issues that arose during the pandemic, Fauci pushed a biased view. Scientists who raised concerns and questions about our COVID-19 response were regularly demonized, even by a government officially directed under Fauci's charge. If you want to understand why there's been such a collapse of trust in our public health leaders, this story is a good place to start. During his decades as head of NIAID, Fauci oversaw the distribution of billions of dollars each year in research grants and contracts, some of which were awarded explicitly for what is commonly referred to as gain-of-function research of concern. This research involves manipulating viruses to become more transmittable and or deadly in humans with the hope that doing so might help advance development of vaccines and therapeutics against threats that don't exist, but theoretically might in the future. As I previously reported in the free press, it is an intensely controversial practice with many scientists vehemently opposed to it. Kevin Esvelt, an evolutionary and ecological engineer at MIT wrote, in 2021 opinion piece, I implore every scientist, funder, and nation worker in this field, please stop. Purposely creating a pathogen that could wipe out millions of people, regardless of its hoped for benefit, is insanity, global security and biodefense expert Dr. Laura Kahn said. Fauci has long been a vocal advocate for this type of research. And despite pleas for it to stop for at least a decade, this dangerous research has been funded by the NIH and NIAID. This connection was affirmed by Fauci and is documented in published papers. NIH and NIAID are listed as financers of the project and the acknowledgments of the most infamous gain-of-function study in history. And I have documented that at least several NIH-funded studies were involved in potentially creating more deadly coronaviruses. There's no ambiguity. The NIH and NAID have funded and supported this work. Yet Fauci and his then boss Collins during the COVID years repeatedly obscured and even outright denied their involvement. In May 2021, Collins released a statement that said, neither NIH nor NIID have ever approved any grant that was supported gain of function research on coronaviruses that would have increased their transmittability or lethality for humans. Why would Common Collins put on a statement denying what is clearly true? In a word, Wuhan. Through complex, the facts here, though complex, the facts here are unequivocal. The NIH gave millions of dollars to a nonprofit called EcoHealth Alliance. From that pot of money, EcoHealth funneled hundreds of thousands of dollars in subawards to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Grant applications to NIH from EcoHealth explicitly spell out work involving the creation of deadlier or more transmissible pathogens. It said the researchers would use infectious clone technology and humanized mice, i.e. rodents that are engineered to have human receptors for viruses to test the ability of newly created coronaviruses 
to infect humans. Yet, in November of 21, when Rand Paul questioned Fauci in a congressional hearing about his funding of the research and its connection to the WIV, Fauci responded, gain of function is a very nebulous term, and that a considerable amount of effort had been spent to give a more precise definition to the type of research that is of concern that might lead to a dangerous situation. Paul shot back, you're defining away gain of function. You're simply saying it doesn't exist because you changed the definition on the NIH website. Richard Albright, a major critic of gain of function research of concern and a molecular biologist at the Wakesman Institute of Microbiology at Rutgers, says along with others that Fauci engaged in semantic games to evade acknowledging the dangerous research he helped fund. Fauci did not respond to multiple requests for comment made to his new employer, Georgetown University. This July, the House subcommittee released what appears to be an extremely incriminating email that Fauci wrote on February 1 of 2020 to multiple high-level officials, including Collins. In the email, Fauci wrote, scientists in Wuhan University are known to have been working on gain-of-function experiments on bat viruses, and that there was suspicion that mutations seen in SARS-CoV-2 were not natural and were intentionally inserted. After viewing the email, Rand Paul referred Fauci to the Department of Justice for lying to Congress. Evidence of Fauci's purposeful evasiveness can also be seen through the actions of a direct subordinate. Two months after Colin denied funding gain-of-function research, David Morins, a senior advisor to director of the NIAID at the time, Fauci wrote an email to Bloomberg reporter Jason Gale, Tony doesn't want his fingerprints on origin stories. In the email, Morin said he was tasked with speaking to reporters on behalf of Fauci and the origins of the virus. Later, in an interview with National Geographic, published September of 21, Morin is like Fauci, was careful to say all possibilities should be pursued, yet in the next breath, to the point may already have been reaching that continued to looking into a lab leak was wasting time and being crazy. Other Morin's emails reveal how he called Richard Albright and other scientists who have been critical of Fauci and who believe a lab leak was likely harmful demagogues who lacked integrity and that they need to be called out, which Morin's has said he'd done again and again, but only off the record since he's in government. In September of 21, Morin's emailed Peter Dazak, the head of Equal Health Alliance, I try to always communicate on Gmail because uh, of my NIH email is F-O-I-A-D constantly, FOIAD constantly. The Morin's email, a bold admission of deliberately attempting to avoid public records requests in violation of NIH policy continued, yesterday my Gmail was hacked, probably by these GOF assholes. And until it can get fixed, I may have to occasionally email from my NIH account. Fauci's deceptions <clears throat> regarding gain-of-function research and the Wuhan lab are, are a piece with his approach to other embroilments during the pandemic. He consistently dismissed those who questioned his recommendations as being unworthy of serious consideration and sidestepped and double-talked his way out of responsibility for past statements. Infamously, when asked about his critics, Fauci said, they're really criticizing science because I represent science. That's dangerous. When in the fall of 2020, a group of public health experts from Harvard, Stanford, and Oxford advocated for focusing protection against COVID-19 on the elderly and vulnerable and letting the rest of society operate more normally, Collins, in an email to Fauci, referred to them as fringe epidemiologists and said they, they needed to be a devastating takedown of their approach. 
A week later, Fauci publicly dismissing this approach as dangerous and nonsense, a characterization that the media repeated ad infinitum, falsely branding it as a, as a letter rip philosophy. Fauci today persists in professing he's had a dispassionate view on the origins of the virus all along. But as research has continued into the virus's origins, the evidence is increasingly pointing to the lab leak. In February, a report by the Department of Energy concluded that a lab leak was the most likely origin of the virus. This echoed a similar conclusion from the FBI. In March, in an interview on CNN, Fauci offered a creative scenario for how it appears to be a lab leak is actually a natural occurrence. A lab leak could be that someone was out in the wild, maybe looking for a different type of viruses and bats, got infected, went to the lab and was being studied in the lab, and then it came out of the lab, Fauci said. If that's the definition of a lab leak, then that still is a natural occurrence. In May of 2021, when questioned in a Senate hearing about the potential of dangerous research taking place at the Wuhan Institute of Virology in conflict with NIH agreements, Fauci said, we generally always trust to get the grantee to do what they say. He said the Chinese researchers were competent, trustworthy scientists. This July, however, the Department of Health and Human Services halted all funds for the WIV on the grounds that there is risk the WIV not only previously violated, but is currently violating and will continue to violate protocols of the NIH on biosafety and that immediate action is necessary to protect the public interest. Fauci had promised the public that the WIV could be trusted. The fact that HHS disagreed and decided to cut off funding is a striking refutation of Fauci's judgment. These new documents show that this is a piece, this is of a piece with a troubling, deeply, deeply troubling pattern. That's uh, David Zweig. Great, great article. It really is. It really is. And it, it really is part and parcel of what we saw from Fauci the entire three years, right? Where he would uh, double speak, change language, pretend he didn't say something, pretend it meant something else. You didn't understand what I said. I said this, not that. And this is what he constantly did. And he did over a period of, that's why he did so many interviews, because he threw so much shit at the wall that it was hard for people to get him on anything, right? That's his game, basically. And the fact of the matter is that he did lie. We have evidence, proof. This, he lied in front of Congress, which is a, illegal. You go to jail for such things. He deserves to go to jail for that. We have proof that he knew of gain-of-function research, and then he says in front of the Congress that it was never happening, and at the NIH. So... Once again, this all points to the accountability that we're not getting. And these are great articles. David Zouak did a great job there. But it's not accountability. People will just say it's an opinion, when, of course, it's not opinion. It's all facts. It's all known fact. And the accountability is only going to come when someone decides to prosecute, right? There needs to be a prosecution. So... It continues because I want to play a video. How many times have you heard <clears throat> that the the vaccine, oh, that they never said, once again, talking about double speak and, and triple speak. Thanks, Gator. I'll get to you in one second. In fact, let me play this video, then you can talk. But how many times have we heard from people who are pro-vaccine that they never, no one ever said it was going to stop the transmission of COVID, right? How many times have you heard that from people who are still defending Fauci and defending the vaccines? That they say, nobody ever said 
that the vax would stop the transmission of a COVID virus. I want to thank Jimmy Dore for putting up this video today. He says, this is for my comedian friends, and I guess anyone else, who still repeat the lie, the big pharma lie, that nobody ever said the vaccine would, would stop the transmission of COVID. Here's everybody saying it. Okay, so just listen to this video. It's going to start with, uh, hold on one second. Let's see if I can get this going. Bill Gates. Not just protecting themselves, but reducing their transmission uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. We can kind of almost see the end. We're, we're vaccinating so very fast. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. Getting vaccinated and getting a booster shot when eligible can save your life and protect you and your family and friends from getting seriously ill and spreading infection. What do you think the probability is? 80%? Personally, I think it's 100%. I think that there's a reduction in transmission. Right. COVID if you have these vaccinations. We have all the vaccines we need. We just need our people to take it. A, for their own protection, for the protection of their family, but also to break the chain of transmission. You want to be a dead end to the virus. So when the virus gets to you, you stop it. You don't allow it to use you as the stepping stone to the next person. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. That means the vaccines will get us to the end of this. But when we looked at the emergency use authorization, which is right on the screen, if you look what it says under transmission, this is what was known the moment they were making those statements. Can I have the next slide, please? What was known was that the data are um, not there, limited to assess the effects of the vaccine against transmission of SARS-CoV-2. They had no idea. They had no idea if it would stop the infection, yet they were making those statements on the news. Plus, the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market. If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? No, uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science. To really okay, <laughs> so there you have it, there you have it. They totally lied. Now, why are all those people still around? Why do they still exist in society? Why? Why is Rachel Maddow still making $30 million a year? Why is Tony Fauci still allowed to do interviews? Why, why is Zelensky retired with a beautiful pension? Why? Walensky, sorry. <laughs> oh, God. I always get those two mixed up. I wonder why. Why? Why, why are they still here? Why, they, why do I still hear them talk? How come they talk? It doesn't echo through the through the prison cells. That's what I don't get. Hey, Gator, how are we doing, Gator? How's everything out there in uh, the UK? Hey, Mike. Yeah, come see, come sir. Nothing too exciting. Nothing too exciting. Still no? um, as dystopic as ever. <laughs> I was hoping for some good news. I was hoping for some. Good well, news. there is actually. I do have good news. Um, I'll, I'll jump straight to it if you like. I'm hoping yeah. that Daniel's listening so that he'll. Um, hear this as well because i actually want to ask him something if he's if he's available right have you heard of the australian case um 
that's just been filed this month or last month, sorry, um, against Pfizer, Moderna, and the Australian regulators. Oh, I haven't. No, tell me about it. Okay, this is good news. So basically, a former lawyer and barrister, Julian Gillespie, has been working with other a number of other lawyers, um, uh, basically pro bono trying to work out legal strategies to bring cases and they've all sort of generally failed right in some way because of corrupt judiciary amongst a lot of things but what they've found is something that that i knew about as well and it was a big relief to hear that people are just are, are really properly actively pursuing this basically they've demonstrated that the primary ingredient and the mode of action of the Pfizer and Moderna shots um, are GMOs, right? Genetically modified organisms. And under Australian law and their regulatory model, what that means is that the manufacturers were compelled by law to, to first apply to the Office of Gene uh, Technology Regulation under the Gene Technology Act 2000 and say, because of what our product is and contains, we need you to sign off as a GMO before we then go to the Therapeutic Goods Administration and request regulation um, and um, the approval process for these products, right? Now, they didn't do that, okay? So they just went straight to the TGA and the TGA just gave them approval based on a vaccine, right? Not a GMO. Now, another thing that didn't happen was that the Secretary of Health should have followed a procedure, a notification procedure, based on a strict timeline preceding all of this, right? And he didn't do that. So basically what this case alleges and demonstrates is that not only are Pfizer and Moderna criminally, in, in criminal violation of Australia's GMO regulation laws, but so is the Office of Gene Technology Regulation, so is the TGA, and together those two regulators may be also um, criminally guilty, uh, guilty of criminally aiding the, the crimes of the manufacturers, but it gets better. Um, altogether, they also may be criminally negligent and reckless as a result of already being notified of all of this stuff in December 2021 because Julian Gillespie and his mates literally sent all of them notifications saying, you realise your products are this and they work like that, so they need to fall into this regulation. And they told the regulators that as well. And they, none of them did anything. So they've actually negate. they can't claim, they can't claim by default ignorance because they made the shit. They can't claim they didn't know what the law was because the law's clear. Uh, they've also got the problem that they've admitted in their own SEC filings that these things are considered by the FDA and other regulators, particularly in Europe, as gene therapies, right? Mm -hmm. And then all of the other actual, this is how it works. So, they, so they're in this bind, right? And all of them are complicit together, right? That is good news because that is basically one of the strongest cases I've ever seen so far about how these boys get fucked, right? And um, so that has just been filed uh, this last beginning of last month. And it's a question of hanging on to see what happens. But there's something else as well. Right. And this is really profound. 
the products, um, well, actually one thing is that inside this case, AstraZeneca, when it applied for its approval in Australia, did the right thing and actually went to the OTGR and said, these are GMOs, we need regulation for this. Now, even though its technology platform is a bit different, its mode of action is the same. It's still a GMO working in a GMO thing. So it, it compounds the problem of the manufacturers. Now, all, all, of, all of this is good, but, but um, there's another, this other thing is that all of these products were, were, were told, that people have been told this is mRNA, messenger RNA. It's not. There's a guy called Peter Steger, who's a, a PhD guy who's just written um, a, I think within the last month and a half, or maybe a bit early, maybe even as far as April, he wrote out an article explaining that this isn't messenger RNA because of the way they've constructed the genetics of these ingredients and the, the what they produce once they once they harvest the um, what what people were told was mRNA they haven't they haven't harvested mRNA they've harvested what's called mod RNA which is a different product which has different characteristics of what it does to your body how long for how persistent it is how durable it is and also its genetic capability in interacting with the human genome. And none of this is understood. None of it's known. And this has got fucking massive ramifications, right? Because it means that not only have people been actively misled by manufacturers and regulators about the whole nature of the product anyway, and what it could do and what it didn't do and how it worked and how long it would last and toxicity and all this shit that we already know about. But they've literally lied about what was in the stuff, right? So they've completely actively misrepresented what it is to the entire world publicly, right? In every form of documentation by their marketing, their claims, their submissions to the regulators about mRNA instead of mod RNA, right? And the regulators been, can, be, can potentially be shown to be literally scientifically and medically incapable of knowing when it's being bullshitted because it can't tell the difference between mRNA, mod RNA, a genetic modified organism, genetically modified organism or a vaccine. It can't tell. It's just literally sitting in a chair being told by Pfizer, this is the thing. This is what it does. This is how it works. Yes, it's safe. We will make it well. We won't have any contamination. Our oh, contamination is another thing I haven't mentioned. And and and, there, and and you need to believe us. And no, you can't look at any data. That's literally what this case demonstrates. It's it's absolutely, it's simple, yeah. <clears throat> but it's complex. And that is good goes, news. It is good news, but I hope it actually goes somewhere. You know, yeah. I get but, the out. I hope we have the the outcome we deserve, the desired outcome, because uh, it, look, just as I spoke about before, I read the uh, Fauci article. Just the mm -hmm. idea that they're ramping up again, ramping up the boosters again, yeah. the fall, you know, the the uh, flu season. When they'll talk about this incredible combination of the flu and COVID, we have to watch out as they want to punch that we've heard for the, like the fourth straight year now. Remember, those of us. And there were many of us who said that three, four, five years forever, you're going to have to get a booster. We were told we were crazy people. You remember that, right, Gator? Sure. Those of us who said it wasn't just going to be about 
one shot or two shots. It was going to be about a shot every year, just like the flu shot, were called whack jobs. We were called conspiracy theorists. And now, of course, that's the fact, right? They have come out and actually said, yes, we, this new director of the CDC has come out and said, oh, absolutely. Every, every fall, you get your COVID booster along with your flu shot. So it, it's, it, once again, it's, with issue after issue, we have been proven right. They were proven to be liars. They were liars, and we know. And it wasn't just about being wrong. They were liars because we have a – I just played a two-minute video where they kept on saying, we, we know. We know they stopped the transmission. And then, of course, the woman's interview at the end, she said, no, of course, we didn't know it was going to stop transmission. We had to rush him out there. So they lied. They knowingly lied. Yeah. They didn't they – didn't, why didn't they – well, you and I know the answer. It's a rhetorical question. But when they put these vaccines out there, why didn't they say at the time, we're rushing these out – a wing and a prayer, it might stop it, it might not. They never said that, did they? No. They said, as I played in the video, this is definitely going to end COVID, get us back to normal. The virus stops with you. If you get the vaccine, you can't get it. You can't spread it. COVID goes away. It'll be gone by the end of the of 2021. That's what they said. They lied because they knew if they had told the truth, as that woman said at the end of the video, that we rushed these out and we have no fucking clue if they're going to work or not or if they're safe or not, nobody would have gotten them. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's even more fundamental than that. And it's all this is what I'm about to say is enshrined literally in the admission by the buyer CEO, Stephen Ehrlich. He's, he's, he's on video and has been for a very long time that... Um, at the world, it's, it's a world science or manufacturers forum or something. I can't remember what it is now, it, uh, what's in the background. But he's on stage and he's saying, um, very exciting time for us as all as a company and everything, because um, it's, it's, it's gene and cell therapy is so exciting. And that's what we're getting into now. Who'd have thought before COVID that it would have been possible to get 95% of the world's population, uh, so much of the world's population to take gene and cell therapy. But because of COVID, right, we have managed to get everybody to take it because we called it a vaccine. And prior to COVID, you, if, if we'd said, hey, do you want to put an experimental gene and cell therapy into your body? 95% of the world would have said no. That's literally pretty much verbatim what he said on video, right? Right. Now, there's no way out of these things, okay? There's, there's no way out of a combination of documentation, but also this endless stream of video. What will happen, though, is that essentially it will go super slow in any form of legal account, that's a legal challenge that's built on this stuff, whether that's Rand Paul's gain of function and the origins thing or whether this is stuff I'm talking about because everything will come down to semantics and timing based upon the, the interpretation of fraudulent clinical data, right? And the problem that that's going to hit in courts is the court typically is not where, uh, is not the body that determines the truth of science. It's, it's basically, they don't look at clinical data and go, well, clearly that means you lied, 
right? They will defer to arguments between experts who say, no, 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 that, that clinical data means they didn't lie. And somebody else will go, it did lie. And then you're down to the jury trying to work out thick fuckers in a jury, trying right. to work out who's to, who to back. And if there's no jury, the fucking judge is going to, is going to throw it. Right. Right. Um, so, so that's what it's going to come down to. Right. But the thing about the case I just described to you is this, you must remember this, right. And if you, you know, back what I'm telling you, publicize it because the regulatory models in Australia and, and Europe are almost exactly the same. Julian Gillespie has demonstrated this and wrote out a paper showing how the parity between those two systems is so close. The obvious conclusion is you need to port the Australian case straight into, into Europe, but it's going to be the similar in the UK. And it's, and then, and then I think the biggest difference is in the, in America. So the thing to take away from this is multiple um, attacks against, against all of the manufacturers can be launched globally. They just need, to be each this base model court case just needs to be tweaked and that must happen if the human race does not do that it deserves to fucking go extinct basically right that's how that's how important the work is and actually how not that hard it is because i've already been i've been looking at this trying to sort of move the ball on a bit so you know that is good news by anybody's standards given the conditions that we're in now absolutely yeah there's no doubt about it. Look, we've seen a lot of court cases, right? And a lot of people fighting back and a lot of, but I'm looking on this greater scale, like, you know, like Rand Paul recommending Fauci be prosecuted. Well, yeah, some, yeah, yep. obviously Biden's Department of Justice isn't going to do it. So we may have to sit for another year and a half and hope that the next president's Department of Justice does because there's ample evidence that he lied about many things, but he lied in front of Congress over and over again about the gain of function stuff. But what if something strange happens like uh, Gavin Newsom gets in, right? Or, yeah. or some, somebody uses timing, right? And I know that this is a bit extreme, but I think this is possible. Just This has just occurred to me instantly now. What if... Fauci began to be involved in a fast-track court case before Biden's term ended, and Biden himself pardoned Fauci. I don't know. That's a, just a complicated thing. I mean, it's possible, I suppose. It's possible, I suppose. You know. the, 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 yeah, these things are definitely possible. And what's at stake here is so fucking high that I think that these things, these things could happen, right? It's somebody, all it needs is somebody to sit down and work out a risk, a risk matrix and a threat matrix and just go, like, what I think, what I think is actually going to happen with Fauci is this. He's 84 years old, isn't he, right? So, 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 so he's literally, you know, past average life expectancy for the UK, which is higher than the US. So basically... They're going to dump everything on him, and 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 and, slow, and if he does go to court, slow it down so long that basically he dies, right? And then once he's died, he'll be like Jimmy Savile, where they basically just go, "Yeah, he was the world's worst virologist and NIH guy, corrupt as fuck. He did everything and more that Robert Robert Kennedy's accused him of, but he's dead now, so we'll just park it with him and move on, a bit like Epstein." Right. Right. 
And, and, and yeah. then suddenly everybody will stop talking about COVID because he's dead and he carries the can. That's w what's going to happen on a big picture. I'm sure of it. Yeah, I think there are other people who also need to be part of that prosecution. And you can, you can, you know, it could be uh, uh, Deborah Burks. It could be uh, Walensky. I mean, there are a lot of people out there who you can go after. Right. There is, but, but yeah. I reckon the system will contain it like this. I mean, Fauci's the head of the whole thing, obviously. He's the top guy, you know, and uh, obviously he'd be the biggest uh, target, right? But I still think it, it, shouldn't just, it shouldn't just be him. I want to make that very clear. I'm very happy if he was prosecuted, but he shouldn't be the only person who gets prosecuted. There were yeah, many players, course. many players in this Shakespearean tragedy. It wasn't just Tony Fauci. But how, so, yeah. but how do you sustain the level of prosecution that this requires? Right? It's like, look at, look at how bored people get with war, right? Mm. They, they get bored with war well, to the point where it's reported for the first two years and suddenly it's yeah. no longer reported, right? But it's been, but the Afghan war raged for 20 years. People just forgot the Afghan war was still going on, right? This is worse than that. Way, way, way worse than that, right? Mm. And I've got a funny feeling that, um, what, what needs to happen in some respects, one way of dealing with this is for some kind of sophisticated class action lawsuit to be taken against anyone, right, with a certain set of criteria. So one, if you're vaccine injured, right, and two, if you believe that your informed consent got fucked up, whether you got injured or not, if you just go, well, you can demonstrate that if you knew, if you knew all of this stuff about GMOs and stuff like this and you didn't tell me, Right, then, then my informed consent got fucked up. You never had it. And just make a massive class action lawsuit against all of the NIH people and then and then go to all of the man each manufacturer and then go to each healthcare provider and then actually right leave, and people should leave open the prosecution of vaccinators and they should be able to hunt down vaccinators and take them to court. But that will be a very individualized thing. Well, I think this war is going to get worse, not better in, in, in this regard. I think as we go through time, the months and years, more and more people are going to be hurt and die from the vaccines and the boosters and mortality rates going to go up. And hopefully it, people it is, start yeah. taking notice as more and more healthy 18 year olds like LeBron James, son have heart attacks and people that age die out of nowhere. It's I think I think it's going to become a bigger issue, not a smaller issue. Yeah, but because because a lot of people are going to die. I mean, I believe personally, based on what I've understood so far, my realistic—I'd say this is a realistic expectation—is that is that a lot of people's literal life expectancy from the day that they got the shot is going to drop to five or ten years, full stop, no matter what age they are, if they aren't already dead, right? Yep. And 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 the way that the mechanisms that those that shortened lifespan is going to manifest is already we're already seeing exactly how turbo cancer myocarditis cardiovascular radical autoimmune and, and rapid onset cancer you know um either either coming out of nowhere or being latent and then accelerating and they they are the key, they are key key ones at the moment but what one thing that um is not clear uh is nobody has begun proper human tissue testing right of any recipient and the more I know about these products now, the more there is evidence that this stuff integrates with the human genome, right? Yep. And and we have got no fucking idea what it does. Now, what I've understand at the moment is this. 
there's a very high chance that it affects germ cells. So it literally gets into your testes and ovaries and then affects germ cells. So that so we have now created half the world's population whose DNA may some of whose DNA may have been altered because of integration and they're passing that on to their kid. And also the spike, the vaccine induced products spike and whatever else is being produced is crossing the placental barrier. And you're now seeing two, two well, you're now seeing continuous increasing stillbirth rates, fetal, fetal failure, right? Which is, can occur so early that it's not considered, um, it's not considered a stillbirth, right? Or a miscarriage. It's, it's something that occurs so early. It's not even categorized as a failure. So you don't even see it, right? But mm -hmm. the people, only the individuals know we were six weeks pregnant and it fucked up. Right. And, and so and, and, and they don't know why that is. Right. But also birth defects or um, some kind of latent defect we've got no idea about is all to come in this first generation who are being born now. And no one at the moment, private or sponsored by the government, is looking for the effects on the human genome. And, and this is what I need to talk to Daniel about. Um, but it's but it, but there are people out there who want to begin this work, um, and they need. And the funny thing is that unlike the gene therapy vials where Pfizer and Moderna own them, the manufacturers can never own human tissue, so they cannot stop the world's population going to labs and saying, "Please, can you test my genetics and see if I've been fucked over by these products?" And if they, they if they have, there is no way really. That, um, that a manufacturer can basically say that's nothing to do with our product because the genetics won't lie. And that, that whole spectrum of impact is fucking huge. Absolutely. The, the world's not ready for it, basically, if you think about the scale. Right, right. The world's not ready for it. But, but like I said, <clears throat> this is not going to go away. It's only going to get worse. So I, I think it's through 2024 and into 2025 and maybe a new administration, uh, people might want, want answers even more than they do now, that people might finally take notice. And, you know, um, and there might have to be some kind of, 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 um, of retribution. They're going to have to be some fall people, right? Someone's going to have to take the fall. The question is, who is it going to be? Is it going to be some low-level scientists in Moderna and Pfizer? Because, of course, that would be wrong. That would be scapegoating. It needs to be. It needs to be Borla. You know the names. Yeah. Walensky, yeah. Borla, have, Fauci. Those people. Have you seen the um, Australian government footage of the beginnings of their kind of initial questioning of the manufacturers yet? I haven't. I'll, I'll look at it though. I'll take go on Twitter. It. It's the clips of it are on Twitter, but the whole session. The, the, there are multiple long sessions covering slightly different things, right? But one of them is Moderna. It's three people from Moderna, and the other one is two people from Pfizer. Yeah. And they and it, and it is. It, I mean, it is woeful, right? What they're what they're doing. They're, they're basically saying, you know, they're asking them all of these straight questions, and obviously these people are going are, are just literally bullshitting their way through, and it's pathetic, right? And they and, and I mean, they know that they can bullshit, and they must bullshit, right? Because there's whole layers of uh, contractual defense and the CARES Act and the equivalents of CARES Act and the PREP Act in, in other countries, right? So they know that the odds at the moment of liability are stacked in their favor, but they also know that the hammer's falling because 
more and more evidence of criminal fraud is being found, right? And criminal fraud is potentially what undoes all of the liability shields. Mm-hmm. And if the groundswell, the Ed Dowd theory is that if the groundswell of public opinion becomes so fucking great anyway, the government will literally be able to rip up the supply contracts, rip up the indemnity shield, and basically say, you know what, fuck this, we're going, we're going, we are going to actually prosecute you properly, and it will take popular groundswell to force that out. So. You know, all of this stuff is going to take a long time to percolate through, but it's all got potential. It just requires constant fucking diligence by 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 capable people, and it needs to be really publicly publicised. These efforts need to be really publicised, and they need they need crowdfunding. And and what you'll find is that there's a, there's that disappointing lack of appetite to for, for for a lot of people to put their fucking money where their mouth is. Um, particularly down under in Australia, it's, it's disappointing. But you just got to keep pressing on with it. Now, I want to go to Daniel, but before I go to Daniel, <clears throat> he wants you to summarize the Australian case. Okay, before- I'll, uh, Daniel. Right, I'll send you, Daniel. I'll send you a link on DMs on this as soon as I get off this call. Right, read that. But also, I need to know. Can you just do us a favor? Just, I'll, I'll end now. But. Um, can you just put me into the speakers so that Daniel comes on? Because I've got one question for Daniel, and then, and then I need to ask him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hold on. Okay, let me do this. Let me put you into speakers. Hold on. Why isn't this working? Hold on. Hold on a second. Um, all right, I'm going to put you into speaker, uh, Gator. You should go into speaker. And then Daniel, you can come on. Okay, let's see if this works. Oh, you're both there. Go ahead. Hey, Daniel, just a really quick question. Do you as a job, don't you as a job have a lab? A, 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 some kind of path lab a pathology lab or a testing lab yeah um no i'm not going to tell you what kind of laboratory um that i have um because i don't want my my identity um known if, okay, if okay no worries look i'll send you a, i'll send you a dm on here what i'm trying to do is establish something about certain kinds of lab service and i'll leave it at sleep. that so even if you can point me in the direction of something else that's all. That's all I need. That's all I need. Okay, mate. Hey, hey Gator, before you go, I want to say I I, I only um, remotely and vaguely heard about that case, the Australian case. So thank you for bringing that up, and please um, report back and tell us um, if you hear more about it. Um, what's what's going on? Yeah, check check your DMs on this app in two minutes. I'll send you a link to all of it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Hey Daniel, what else? Hey, Anything hey. else? Go. Anything else you want to talk about? I, well, I want to. I want to say thank you for reading the um the, the article about Fauci. Um, oh yeah, that was a great article, wasn't it? Really yeah, great. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I planned on reading it, but thank, thanks on reading it. Now, thanks for reading it because now I don't uh, have to read it myself. Um, great article. Um, the, the type of cases that um, Data brought up. Give give me lots of hope for for um, there being justice in in this world with respect to COVID, uh, because there is uh, the limited liability that uh, pharmaceutical companies have with respect to um, vaccinations, vaccines, um, is totally turned on its head if there's fraud involved, and I think that's what the Australian case uh, hinges on, mm-hmm. and if they win in Australia. 
they're going to win across the globe. And there's for sure. Yeah. And lawyers, and there are so many lawyers out there chopping at the bit, looking for work, wanting to make a killing. And they literally can make millions, if not billions of dollars off of cases like this. And they are going to be, there's going to be whole firms that are going to spring, spring up, whole law firms that are going to spring up. They're going to be all about uh, class, uh, class action suits uh, um, in regards to uh, covid uh, and vaccinations, and uh, especially if there is one, if there's one single win where they get around the limited liability, limited liability that um, is, you know, across the globe, and across the globe, but many Western countries uh, is given to pharmaceutical companies. So this this could be the crack in the dam, and if it's even close to a crack in the dam, you're going to see so many more lawyers swarming over the opportunity to rake in these bucks and that and that and, and there's capitalism coming to a rescue uh, when it comes to justice right there right that, of course these are civil cases right so oh, yeah <clears throat> we hope they would lead to also criminal cases right and criminal charges well if there's fraud involved yes indeed but the civil part of it the, the part that's going to really really sting <laughs> the the bucks, yeah, that's going to attract the lawyers. But if there's criminal cases in, involved, um, that can be that can be uncovered. Evidence can be uncovered uh, through the civil cases. Um, then, oh God, the the dam. Watching that break is going to be delightful. Now, I don't know if you had a chance, but I, I know that uh, Steve Kirsch had posted something on his Substack a couple of days ago. And he says he got he gets this from the the virus the VAERS data. This is not made up. This is VAERS website. And he said that <clears throat> the it's crystal clear the COVID vaccines are killing currently an estimated one person per thousand doses, and that so far <clears throat> seven hundred sorry six hundred and seventy six thousand Americans have died. It takes about thirty seconds, he says, to do a VAERS query that shows the COVID vaccines are deadly. The shape of the onset curve makes this obvious. An estimated 676,000 Americans have been killed. Have you read anything about this, Daniel? I haven't read um, Steve's stuff yet on that yet. Um, I'd, I'd like to go over it carefully before saying anything about it. Yeah, um, I would like to get your, because it says here, 72% of the IUS deaths reports in the 33-year history of VAERS from one vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine. Unlike other vaccines, the COVID vaccines keep on killing people for months and years after the shot. The statistics well, I've been something. able to collect estimate that the COVID vaccines are killing about one person per 1,000 doses. These vaccines aren't close to safe and won't even have to get into a discussion on whether they are effective. They're clearly unsafe and nobody should be taking them. And we can prove that with one bears inquiry, which nobody can explain away. Anyone can replicate this themselves. And on his Substack, kirschsubstack.com, K-I-R-S-C-H, substack.com, he, he shows the, the query and how to do it, the three the steps to get the results. And, uh, you know, once again, <clears throat> you look at the results he gets from this, and it, 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 it looks like from his results that these numbers are, are panning out and that this vaccine is not only killing people as we speak, but like I said, in the months and years ahead, there'll be more and more deaths from the vaccine. Um, so 
Well, something. If one, if if it if it if it adds, if it's even close to one for every thousand doses, yeah, that's that's horrendous. Genocide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, something is. There's a lot of echo going on right now, and my voice is echoing back for some reason. Do you hear it now? Still, I don't um, know. I think it's gone okay. now. Yeah, you're um, fine. It, it comes and goes. Um, the, uh, Something has something is has to um, be causing the excess deaths that we're seeing uh, in Western countries. Those countries that were heavily vaccinated, um, excess deaths are, are still crazy high, um, and they're not. It's, it's been verified uh, that uh, and documented, uh, well documented that they are not due to COVID. It can't be blamed on COVID, even with the very, very lax diagnosis of, 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 of or attribution of, of cause of death to COVID that has occurred over the last three years. Um, that can't explain these excess deaths. There's just tremendous excess deaths that are higher in, in many countries, three times higher than the deaths that were attributed to COVID. And we know how overinflated those were, but there were still in many um, European countries, the excess deaths. In 2022, 2023, not attributed to COVID, are three times higher than those that were attributed to the overinflated COVID numbers. So something has to be causing that. Whether it's people, as as we all warned about early on in in the uh, so-called pandemic, whether it was going to be because of people like my stepfather who avoided to go get care that they really needed and ended up in in the hospital, and he came so close to death. Um, and and had a year recovery in various uh, nursing homes after that. Um, Whether it's people like him that ended up not recovering, ended up dying, um, or it's due to the vaccine, we don't know whether it's due to both um, or it's due to a whole host of other things. We know that when the economy tanks, this is something that's been known forever, that when the economy drops, uh, when when you see GDP drop by a, a certain percent, you see a certain percent of, of more deaths across the country. It is so, it's, the GDP is so tightly linked to, to, to deaths in this country. So whether it's, it's part economic and, and, and that rippling through, whether it's part due to the vaccine, whether it's part due to uh, uh, people missing uh, routine medical care, um, we, it, it's, it's a mess and it's going to take years to sort this out. It's also going to take generations to sort out the damage that was done to this world. Um, when, when, one last thing I want to talk about be, before, before I go is um, you're saying that there is a current um, hyping of the next COVID season. Well, here's something that I have been wondering about since I've been seeing this over the last few days. In blue cities across the, across the country, I mean, the most notable, of course, are San Francisco and New York City, but hell, it's going on in Portland big time, Seattle big time, Minneapolis big time. I mean, there's so many blue cities that are in doom loops because of not just COVID, but the defunding of police thing as well. But they are in these huge doom loops and creating more fear through COVID again, if that's possible. I mean, most, most people, you know, they, they haven't even got their second booster. Um, so, so many people have just, you know, said, I've had enough of it. But if it's possible to create more fear, who would that benefit? It certainly wouldn't benefit the blue cities 
they're already they're in doom loops and they're trying like they're tr- without without dismissing their ideology which got them into the doom loop they're trying to get out of it and if another wave of covid fear hits them oh san francisco's freaking finished new york is fizzy is back in the dumps but really san francisco is fucking done so who 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 benefits from this fear campaign the republicans uh, <clears throat> well uh, this is the way. If, 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 this is this is the Machiavellian me talking at this point, um, and, and whether whether it's, it's, it's what's occurring or not, I don't know. I'm just saying, if you were a really yeah. Machiavellian Republican, you could say, "Hey, we could really do a fucking number on these blue states and cities. All we have to do is hype COVID fear, and that will send them all into a fucking." Well, that's a good group. point. That's a good point. But the Republicans don't have to hype the COVID fear. The Democrats do it themselves. Yeah. So the question is, are, are, the Repub- are, are there some Machiavellian Republicans out there that are doing that? That's my question at this point. Well, I, because I, it sure would be effective. It could be. But I, I see it more plain and simple. It's just a way for Big Farmer to make more money. I mean, they want Big Farmer to make that, more money. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There's but, a cons- cons- there could easily be a conspiracy of interest once again, like there has been throughout this entire last three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, uh, you know, it's just I think that they see that people are kind of like over it and forgetting it. And with each booster, few and fewer people take it. So they want to try to scare as many people as possible into getting it. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. Follow the money. Right. Follow the money. Yeah. But where would it be most effective in blue cities like San Francisco, where you can still walk around um, in the morning and see 10 percent of people on, on in North Beach area masked? I mean, yes, that's where yes. it'd be most effective. And so if if you're a Machiavellian Republican and you want to say, hey, these guys are trying to fight their way to the doom loop and, and, and any little thing can, you know, can can crush them. Um, here, here's here's a little thing to crush them. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, like we need more of that here to crush us in San yeah. Francisco. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Well, Daniel, thanks. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Good, good show. Thanks. Bye. All right, Daniel. I know. Daniel's just... Uh, happy I'm not uh, talking about the Trump cult, which we'll get to. <laughs> but first, we want to go to Bill. Hey, Bill, how's it going? How was your weekend? Bill, you there? Hey, Bill. Now you're there. All right. Can you hear me, Mike? Yep. Loud okay. Well, it's always good to hear Gator expound and Daniel expound on the COVID frauds and the abuse that people have experienced. I did tell you my friend Chris died after a second shot, massive coronary in the parking lot, never put his hands out. Doc said he was dead before he hit the ground. And my stepsister's daughter died in her sleep after a second shot. Both of them within about 10 days, my brother emailed me the obituaries. Yeah. Well, once again, I think people are going to start to hear more about like Mm -hmm. people around them who are young and healthy and dying. And it's going to continue through the months and, and years ahead. And I think at some point, a light bulb has to go on, right? You would hope? Well, I think a lot of us, you know what? It's that old that saying, those who have ears, let them hear and eyes, let them see. There's so many that are going to believe the Fauci's of the world, no matter what we say. You know, and evident that Fauci gets a profession, you know, high professorship at Georgetown and gave the graduation speech at Yale. Those people in those medical schools are brain, being brainwashed today, and they're graduating with this mentality. Think about that. 
Well, the graduate the mentality of they are the science. Right. As Fauci said that's that's what Fauci says. Attacking science is scary. No, the scary mm -hmm. thing is these young doctors thinking they are the science. Exactly. having that mindset. And if anyone doesn't believe the way they do, which is what science is all about, those persons should be canceled and destroyed. Well, that's I want to agree with. Let me tell you, when I was younger. Oh, gosh, this was in the late 80s. Joe Knapp was going to Yale University. He had a brain tumor. A friend of my dad just stopped in the Spoken Wheel bike shop. And he was telling me something they called ECAP, which was exceptional cancer patients. This was Bernard Siegel, who was a doctor up at Yale. I think I think his name was Bernard Siegel. That's so long ago, I'm trying to remember. But he wrote a couple books on exceptional cancer patients. Mike, they were doing a whole holistic approach from spiritual to to get miracle remissions, you know, along with alternative medications and or things that, uh, by the way, that's a good lead for me to talk about what I put in the live chat. Okay, febendazole, they've known since 2013, which is anti-parasitic, that it, it destroys cancer cell reproduction. That's in the NIH library all the way back to 2013. Mike, this, let me interrupt you. I saw there was a guy with a video on Twitter yeah. today who said he had some kind of cancer. And I think he took that. Is that like, is that the dog dewormer? It's a, well, it's only approved for vet, for veterinary use, but it's, it's just, it's, it's like ivermectin is approved for both. You know, human, and, well, forbendazole has never been approved for human use. It's, it's such an excellent drug. It, it crushes cancer. And yes, that's the drug. Yes. Well, I, I, the guy put a video on Twitter today and I, I just went through the comments mm -hmm. and in the comments, many people were saying, yes, I, I took this for this and it, I took my, my, my relative took this and the cancer went away and so yep. on and so forth. And is this, and, and the guy who put this on Twitter, said you can get this for like a hundred and something bucks on Amazon. Yeah, it's it's generic. That's why, of course, when it's generic, just like ivermectin, which, by the way, there's an article, the combination of fen fenbendazole and ivermectin is even more effective. And ivermectin has the lowest toxicity profile of any drug ever produced. So these are very low toxicity profile drugs, not only the antiparasitic and anti-cancer, they're also antiviral. Maybe right. Why? We have to ask ourselves, they've proved to be antiviral. So there's a theory, although I don't think it's been proved yet, that I put in the live chat that cancer may be partly, at least partly in some cases, due to undiagnosed parasite infection. Right. Just right. anecdotally, think about it. You got two anti-parasite drugs, and uh, we don't really know because our testing for parasites is uh, apparently isn't that effective. You see what I mean? So, anyways, that's something that, that again, there's evidence from the um, whew, I'm breathing here. The in from NIH, National Institute of Health, what's called PubMed, Open Access Medical Journal. That's, you know, it sounds like you're saying Club Med. This is not Club Med. No, it's. <laughs> different thing. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's Pub. Yeah. Pub Med. Pub. Yeah, and then the one on the Febendazole is from the Antibiotic, Antibiotic Journal. Right. So these aren't like some people might say, oh, where'd you get that information? It's unreliable. No, it's not. It's not. This is sound medical science. So, um, 
The other thing is the article from the Antibiotic Journal on Ivermectin shows Ivermectin effective for many of the conditions, so many that I didn't memorize, but it'd be of interest. You might want to check it out uh, from all these different conditions I never even considered. Um, uh, and I, it's late. I just woke up, so I well, can't. This guy think. said he had, the doctors gave him six months to live. He investigated this drug you were talking about. He took it, and now he's cancer free. Yes. Yeah, Here. there's been, it's proven to be effective in the NIH library from 2013. Think about all the people in the last 10 years that could have been saved. This is, this is our medical sick care. Rockefeller Medicine Flexer, Flexner report back in, in 1910 to 13, I think it was. And this is, these are crimes against humanity anyway you cut it. So, so is there any surprise that we keep seeing this, like with everything you all just described? And, and, you know, it's just more of the same. You know, we had the Tuskegee experiments. We had the radiation injections. You know, there's so many medical malpractices that have been perpetrated on humanity, along with Operation Sea Spray over San Francisco, where they sprayed all these bacteria and crap trying to see how it would affect the checkout Operation Sea Spray. But, it's a real the, thing. It makes perfect sense with the um, antiviral medications you're talking about, which you can buy on Amazon for 100 bucks. Why, why the government big pharma would have no use for any of this stuff, right? And of course. To, and they try to make everyone look like an idiot and a conspiracy theorist and a whack job. Yeah, well, these are anti-cancer. Think it. about there's, 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 all the money in, yeah, but, in cancer and in, in right. injection. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, all the yeah. money, all the money made off chemo. Yes. I mean, all, the, all the money they make off chemo and then the person dies anyway most of the time. You know, right. So and the like, other thing like, is, hey, look at all the money we made. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yes, but there's no money is, to be made off a drug you can buy on Amazon for a hundred bucks. <laughs> you know, so that's right. And the other thing is that you, there's no way they could have gotten the emergency use authorization for the vaccine had it been. They acknowledged that these generic drugs worked for mm-hmm. antiviruses. You see that. They had to say they didn't work in order to get the emergency use authorization for something, by the way. If you study the science on this, they never isolated the COVID virus, you know, from any sputum that I know of. All the, everything I read, read said no, the way that they never have. They never right. have. Nope. So, and the PCR test, it's not a test. Gary Mullis said way back in the HIV days, he developed polymer chain reaction for one thing to create a whole lot of something out of something to be used in their their labs to test things so you take a test that every time you amplify it exponentially every time you cycle it exponentially amplifies it to create a whole lot of something out of something so you have a little fragment of a dead virus in your schnozola just like we get dust and pollen and they ramp it up to 38 40 times all false positives mike this whole thing has been a complete series of fraud which vitiates everything in court like like Gator said, if fraud can be proven, then the protection on the vaccine, that gets vitiated, and they're wide open for lawsuits. The problem is our courts are so damn corrupt. Think about the Brooks Jackson case and attorney Robert Barnes. That went to summary judgment. Now he's got to appeal it. You see yeah. what I mean? Yeah. 
right. you know, that fraud case, which the British Medical Journal was behind Brooks Jackson on that. Right. Even right. the BMJ. So this is, this is America, the, the land of corporate capture. This is America, <laughs> inverted totalitarianism, Sheldon Wallen. Now, there's also something here that's been held up in research for well over a decade. It's called the Kenzuist machine. Check out the article there. This, this was made by a guy who was dying of a lymphoma. Basically, it's been caught up testing, testing, testing different universities. Who brought the rights on it? It's based on radio waves. And it's extremely effective. What they do is they inject nano, metal nanoparticles in the tumor, hit it with the radio wave, and it melts the tumor by heating up the nanoparticles of metal. It has no effect on other healthy cells. Oh, that's interesting. It yeah. did, well, they've known it worked since here it is. The article's there, and I'm trying to remember the April 2008. So, Bill, I've always thought to myself, <clears throat> why have not why haven't they made more progress in the wealthiest country in the world with the supposedly of course we're told the best doctors and scientists why haven't they made more progress on curing cancers there are many cancers that they're not that aren't any more curable now than they were a half century ago what why is that why well i think there's a there's a clear answer here i mean i think it's pretty common sense right if they cure cancer where does the money go where do they make their money off of? Yeah, well, we can. We've just I talked about I'm giving you mm -hmm. useless drugs that I can make money off of, right? I mean, that's where they make their money. So, if if, if there's if there's a cure which is cheaper, right, and it's a and it's a cure and it works and they cure cancer, where's the money making machine with with chemo and 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 radiation and all that stuff? So it's much more profitable for them to not cure cancer. And to cure it. It's all about the money. It's all about the Benjamins. Let me read you real quick. Listen to this now. They've already shown that the Kanzuz machine can heat nanoparticles and cook cancer to death in animals. Dr. Curley, I think my, yeah, it's Curley, with rabbits. And in Pittsburgh, Dr. David Geller, Gutler demonstrated to 60 Minutes how he used nanoparticles made from gold to kill liver cancer cells grown in rats, April 10th, 2008. They've been burying this and they've just been burying it for how long? Do the math. For 15 years? 15 years. Yeah. yeah. So you're right. If they cure cancer, this works on tumors. You know, if lymphoma, not so much because it spreads throughout the body, but that's where the ivermectin and fibindazole, fibindazole pubmetagol is 2013. So you're right. The surgery theater for cancer surgery, the, the chemo, the, all the other drugs they use is big bank. They don't give a shit what happens to the patient. All those things make people sicker, but by attacking all their cells, that the cells that multiply fastest is what chemo goes after. Like that's why people lose their hair because the hair cells multiply very quickly. And so it attacks all, it poisons the whole freaking body 
and people end up losing their teeth, all kinds of horrific things, not to mention breast surgeries. Jesus Christ, it's shown that the ivermectin for Bendeville is extremely effective for brain tumors, breast tumors, uh, ovarian. And why is this very important now? Because of the turbo cancers caused by the damn vaccines and the weakening of the immune system and possibly, as, as Gator said, the reverse transcriptase activity into the DNA where you get a splicing into the DNA, a permanent alteration of the genes in the body. That's something that was shown in it in the uh, test tube or the petri dish, I should say, with liver cells. They know it does that. Now, that's, that's called um, in vitro. But there's been no in vivo follow-up studies. Is it happening in the body? Well, they've tested people that have shown spike protein three months away. That's as far out as I want. Spike protein was supposed to be degraded within the first 48 hours and stay in the muscles. So how do you have spike protein in the body three months later when it's supposed to have been destroyed by the immune system within 48 hours? Meaning it must have reversed transcript states into the DNA to keep being there. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying, Mike? Yeah, so, sure. And that's the reason why to keep injecting people, to keep introducing it and new new spike proteins because of course the vaccine only works for that variety of, of uh, variety is not the right word um, for example whether you want wuhan native virus so you go to the next one delta whether you go to the next one you know omicron that's a different spike protein mm-hmm. so you because that that virus will always mutate and so they have to keep changing it now can you imagine you got three four or five shots now you got three four or five uh, potentially uh, infiltrations into your dna producing 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 ongoing this is where you get vaccine uh, anti-dependent enhancement and breakdown of the immune system which luke montagnier won the nobel prize referred to as vaccine induced aids he predicted this with right. Montagnier, yeah. right? So now he disappeared 2021. Who knows how it would have died? Kerry Mullis, who was blasting Fauci on all this, mysteriously died in 2019 of a, some type of pneumonia. Um, I don't put it past Big Farmer. Brady Vaughn, who outed Merck in 2017, all these people die, get suicided suddenly, it, it appears, and or they die suddenly. We see this constantly. It's like, hmm, highly sus. You don't think that a Nobel Prize winning scientist knows if he's got some type of pneumonia to take any antiviral, including the ones we mentioned, or an antibacterial? How the hell does that guy die of of a viral pneumonia? Doesn't make any sense. These aren't, you know, these aren't third world people somewhere in remote areas that don't have access or knowledge of the best medical care. Those diseases should have been wiped out and someone and are commonly wiped out with, with proper drugs and therapies. So anyway, so there's a lot to talk about. And the thing is, we have to remember they've already, the, the evil demons, John Hopkins University, the Gavi, uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, blah, blah, blah. They've already had their tabletop exercise for catastrophic contagion. Daniel's talking about where will the fear of more coronavirus 
be most effective. We, what we're, we need to be concerned about, as Fauci said, the next one in 2024 is going to be much more serious. That's a catastrophic contagion. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, they're going to scare the living shit out of everybody. You watch. It's going to be something related to polio, and the fear is going to be that it's going to give children paralysis and brain damage. So if you don't take the vaccine, remember how before if you didn't take the vaccine, you were killing the greatest generation, the elderly? The, yes. Remember, yes. right? Now, the next one's going to be you don't take the vaccine, you're a child killer. You're spreading, you know, by not the blah, blah, blah. That's going to be the propaganda. To demonize anyone who says, no, this is a fraud. That's called the trip wire or the dog whistle in the PSYOP. There's always, you study PSYOPs, there's always a trip wire, one way to put it, or a dog whistle that drives people into their emotional status, their state where they can't think rationally. Do you understand? That's the PSYOP. It's well, we saw that, that was, that's, that's, that's how they got everything started in 2020. Right, exactly. just like the shit out of people and saying, if you don't listen to us, everyone's going to die from this. Right. That's, that's, that's the way they did it. It's really, it's amazing. Once again, I, I'd understand <clears throat> being able to fool people that way in maybe the 16th century, or the 17th century. Mm -hmm. I think that happened in the year 2020. It's, it's, it's chilling. It sends, it sends chills down my spine. Yeah, and that's what Noam Chomsky talked about in manufacturing consent. You see, when you say to yourself, well, how can people not see that? Well, manufacturing consent is mass formation psychosis that Dr. Malone talked about. Right. It's, it's it, the t Joseph Goebbels, as you know, Hitler's sinister minister of culture, tell a lie often loud enough and the masses will believe it's true. And that's what they do. Yep. Sponsored by Pfizer. Even mm -hmm. no one questions. See, they think Pfizer is their savior. The main people absorb mainstream media, especially sure. people who are elderly. They're not watching. You take someone in a nursing home, Mike, they're getting together. They're playing bingo. They're all together. They're all watching their mainstream media, NBC, UC, whatever, mm -hmm. the big three. They yeah. think we're crazy because the mainstream media has them convinced that social media is a bunch of whack jobs. That's it. You see exactly. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Now, and they all listened when, 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 when Governor Cuomo said, don't worry about it, just shove them all back into nursing homes. <laughs> they, they did it, and it spread like wildfire and killed tens yeah. of thousands of, of elderly people. Well, there's a strong belief that this is all set, a eugenics program to do this, just that. And certainly, if you watch the footwork and what, who it's affected, the, the people who died from this had CDC reports that... 94% of the people who died had four or more comorbidities, one of those being elderly. You mm -hmm. see, that's a comorbidity in this, or, or metabolic syndrome, which is common, especially in nursing homes. I could tell you, I used to get Meals on Wheels delivered here, you know, because I'm home disabled. If I ate that stuff, I developed type 2 diabetes and insulin resistance. It is loaded with, uh, uh, what do you call that, packaged so product. That's so full of sugar. It's out of salt, too. That's oh, like, shit, Mike. I, yeah. I, yeah, it's loaded with not only chemicals and processed food, GMO, but it's also full of sugar, salt, high glycemic. There were times lunch would be white bread, peanut butter, and jelly. I'd be like, I can't even eat this shit, you know, yeah. over and over and over again. Now, they, somebody made a mean 
eggplant parmesan, get their credit records, like, what? Who was making this Italian dish for them? I mean, it was really good. Aside from that, the rest of it was horrible and unhealthy. So I finally told him, look, thank you, but no, thank you. I, I went, I, I'd have a loaf and a half of bread I'd be trying to give away because I'm trying to lose weight. There was so much bread that they would provide. Uh, which was full of dough conditioners and preservatives and everything else, which Dr. Seneth, by the way, we talk about health. Dr. Seneth with MIT, she said the primary thing is healthy gut bacteria and flora and proper nutrition, even Luke Montagnier said regarding um, HIV. And so, again, eliminating the glyphosates from your diet, which are the um, er, um, the uh, herbicides, which is in Roundup, sprayed on all our food, all our produce, everything, and grains, glyphosate. So organic's important, which they ban a lot of these chemicals in some countries. So glyphosate, fungicides, uh, pesticides, all these things destroy your gut bacteria. And so Dr. Senef is saying, start with eliminating those and the chemicals in your body care, where you clean yourself with, use on your body for cosmetics, deodorants, and uh, filter your water. Because, you know, all that stuff is petrochemical-based, Mike. And we weren't built to deal with that. That's, those petrochemicals were in the ground for a reason. You see what I mean? And yet they've made our, all the products out of them. So I know I, I can talk, 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 but there's so much here that's so relevant and it's so layered that we're being attacked on many, many different levels. Then you look at the East Palestine. Oh, oh, I know, man, when we have time to talk about that, the latest independent testing was that the dioxin levels, listen to this, two numbers, 27,000% higher than what baseline should be and 164% thousand higher that whole area is so toxic the whole it doesn't surprise me it doesn't surprise yeah. me yeah and that, I gotta, you know that moron governor smiles and pretends the air is fine the wine well that's the epa coming in they're totally corporate captured and they weren't testing for dioxins for months now in the fifth month the wine orders a fema um uh, order where um that they're supposed to help with funds and all this other shit five months later but um one more thing on that cleveland 19 i didn't put it in the live chat yet okay has a photo diagram of the epa of the derail cars and then labeled what's in each car and how many cars. Guess what, Mike? There's not five. There's not 11. There's 22. 22, according to EPA photo diagram, Cleveland 19. Tomorrow, I'll put it in your live chat. 22. Guess what, Mike? Each one of those cars, so I used to operate heavy equipment on, uh, on Superfund sites, EPA, with the OSHA cert. Excavator, loader, dozer. Um, I was certified by Caterpillar. So I know what I'm talking about. When I first heard about this, I said that there's no way that they got someone in there to dig burn pits if that material was polymerizing, heating up to the point where it could explode and the valves, off gas valves weren't working because you would never put a man within um, you know, short distance range of being blown to smithereens, you just evacuate the whole friggin' area. So how the hell did they dig the burn pits? I'm saying something's wrong here. And in the National Transportation Safety Board hearings, you know what came out? The oxyvinyl chloride who owns the material in the five tanker trucks. First of all, there was no tanker truck, uh, tanker rail car. Um, I misspoke. Tanker rail car that was ruptured. All the Valves were functional, and the the 
Temperatures were going down, meaning that material was not polymerizing, was at no risk of exploding, and three times oxyvinyl chloride told them to get the tanker trucks in there. It was It's their material, and let's get that stuff exported. Right. Yeah, they Bill. didn't do that. That came out in the NTSB hearings. And the yeah. other different chemicals that aren't cited, all of them went into two burn pits and burned. Now, at 30,000 gallons per tanker uh, rail car, that's 660,000 gallons, Mike, that went up in an open flame. The, the EPA, it's illegal. That's the first time ever that a burn like that's been done. Amazing. This is so illegal. That's why we're seeing I mean, we could talk more about it. I know I took a lot of your time. It's yeah. the end of the show, but, you know, look forward to talking again. All right, Bill. Thanks. I appreciate it. But that whole situation, where'd it go? Remember, it was in the news every minute, every minute, every day, and that was cycled out. What's happened to those people? What's happening to them now? It's just like with the vaccines and stuff. What's, what's happening to the people that have taken the vaccines? What's happening to the people who live in East Palestine? The people who couldn't leave, the people who had to go home, which is almost everyone. It was a lower middle class, you know, uh, place. So what happened to those people? What's going on there? Of course, it's out of the news. It's out of the news. It might be out of our lives, but it's certainly not out of their lives. Uh, a couple of quick things before I wrap the show up here. One, I just want to do a, a quick, I'm not going to talk about it much right now, but a poll just came out and it showed uh, Trump with a approval of 30. So that's about seven or eight points lower than Biden. When you didn't think anyone could get an approval lower than Biden, and it is low, Trump's approval is lower. So several points lower than Biden. So brilliant, brilliant to run a guy like that with a 30% approval. 30 approve, 59 disapprove. That's, of course, includes everybody that would be that would be how it plays out in a general election obviously that's not you know republicans or just democrats that's everyone all americans 30 percent approve of donald trump almost twice as many disapprove what a what a brilliant idea what a brilliant idea to have him be the nominee luckily it's not going to happen it's not going to happen also one quick thing i want to mention unfortunate in uh in the filmmaking world is a uh, William Freakin died. Uh, William Freakin, a great Friedkin, not Freakin, Friedkin, um, made the film that still, at 52 years old, scares the absolute shit out of me, The Exorcist. I find The Exorcist to be one of the most frightening films, most unnerving films ever made. It was unnerving when I saw it when I was a kid, and it's unnerving if I see it again now. In fact, I love the movie, but I don't want to see it again because it scares the shit out of me. It really does. And that's because it brought that whole idea of, of, of possession, of satanic possession into the real world, right? Real people. And it makes it seem like it's actually <laughs> happening in real time uh, to real people. Uh, of course, in the film, a young girl, a young innocent girl, right? Linda Blair, who very famously you know, head turns around, throws up. But it ain't funny when you're watching it. It's it's frightening, and it really cuts to the core. And it still, I think, is the most frightening film ever made. And of course, The French Connection, which is a great film known for that chase scene, the the scene underneath the the elevated subway in Brooklyn, uh, and uh, with Gene Hackman and uh, 
a film that not many people have seen called Sorcerer, which is like a kind of like a the way if you saw the Wages of Fear, it was a, kind of a remake in a way of the Wages of Fear. I mean, absolutely brilliant film. So many great films, really. Uh, unfortunately, died today, earlier today, at the age of uh, 87. William Freakin, a great, great, great director. Okay, that's the show. I don't think there'll be a show tomorrow. It'll be on the schedule if there is. I may have to help a friend with something, so there might not be a show. Probably won't be a show tomorrow, but I'll be back on Wednesday. I'll be here Wednesday no matter what, all right? The name of this show is in Let's Be Heard. It airs weeknights, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. Until the next time, this is Mike Chopley reminding you that your influence counts. Use it. <laughs>